This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Our essential question today, how are women's athletics treated differently than men's athletics, and why does the difference matter? We are so excited. So excited. To have a special guest here today. Yay! Um, Maya Smarodinsky is an English professor at Shoreline Community College. She teaches about race, gender, social justice, human rights, and the politics of representation. Her love of sports started at a young age but was not properly nourished until college when she started playing rugby and ultimate frisbee. She really likes throwing things at other things, and she lives in Seattle with her husband and their two cats. Hi. Welcome. Hey. Welcome to the Hi, show. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited. Did we get everything? Is there anything else we should know about you? Yeah, you got everything. Um, The part about not being nourished is that I grew up in a traditional Russian immigrant household, and so my parents had me do really traditional things like ballet. Oh, yeah. Gymnastics and tennis. Oh, okay. How'd you do with those things? (laughs) I was great. Yeah. I mean, mediocre, but— Yeah. uh, But you didn't necessarily choose them. You you got good at them with a lot of practice and— persistence and yeah yeah. you know I mean I love throwing my body around right yeah Um, absolutely but the team sports didn't start till college that's what that was about where'd you go to college Vassar College. Vassar, nice. Okay. So talk a little bit about how you got to the Northwest because I know you have a little bit of a journey and you just hinted at some of that. You're a little far from Vassar. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in Brooklyn. We immigrated uh, to New York in 1988. I grew up there, went to college on the East Coast and then at some point it was like all right I'm I'm good New York. New York you're great. You have my heart, um, but I want something new, and I moved out here with two friends in 2005. That was okay. a long time ago. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Been yeah. here for a third of my life, mm-hmm. so awesome. this is my home now. So now you're feeling Washingtonian. Yeah. Or Washingtonian, as Worsh- my grandma likes like to say. <laughs> is your grandma from Missouri? <laughs> no, she isn't. Like Wisconsin, and then, oh. and I don't think then I've like ever some water. That's so. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So what made you stay up here? Um, momentum. Mm-hmm. It was pretty chill. Yeah. And grad school and meeting my partner and the Ultimate Frisbee community was a big part of staying here. I've heard that we have a really great Ultimate Frisbee set up in like Western Washington. Like it's awesome. And I've heard really good things about like disc golf also. But I specifically. I cannot speak to that. Okay. Specifically. (laughs) I mean, that's another, I guess that's another sport kind of where you throw things at things and there's teams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like Ultimate Frisbee, like I've seen Ultimate Frisbee happen. And I think it's amazing. So can you explain, like, what are some of the basics of Ultimate Frisbee for people who maybe, like myself, don't know the ins and outs? Sure, absolutely. Ultimate Frisbee is played on a field. It's a field sport. Mm-hmm. You have two teams playing against each other, vying mm-hmm. to win. Um, in order to win, you have to score 15 points first. Okay. And you're playing seven on seven. Although, caveat, some of these rules may change as mm. a lot of the discussions around gender equity mm. are happening. So cool. some rules may change in some leagues, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. But at this point, it's seven v. seven. Um, if you're playing mixed, you have uh, the ratio is four men, three women. A that's lot like of, a co-ed. That's mixed a co-ed way. mixed. Yeah. That's the special thing about Ultimate is that we play mixed. Mm. Um 
and you are throwing the disc to each other, trying to catch the disc in the end zone. Okay. So it's a little bit like football in that way, okay. where you're moving the ball up the yeah. field um, to try to catch it in the end zone, yeah. and the other team is trying to prevent you by blocking or um, catching or or forcing interceptions. Okay. Can you like push people down? Is it like that hockey football? It is not element? a non-contact sport. What? <laughs> oh, okay. it's, so it's not it's like Quidditch. Up. Okay. It is not like it's Quidditch. It's not no. like Quidditch. As uh, non-contact, so you know you can't uh, push people yeah. or touch people intentionally. There are unintentional. It's unintentional, yeah. like body, like slides and then stuff. smashing into their yeah. leg. No, yeah. Do people get hurt in ultimate. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. what kind of hurt? Uh, ACL tears are oh, the number yeah. one injury. Oh, yeah. Just like soccer, mm-hmm. especially yeah. for women. Yeah. Um, the field. Yeah. So there's un- unintentional body contact, and so another cool thing about ultimate in in the way that it has been played pre this uh, professional leagues that have been started is that mm-hmm. it's self officiated. Oh. Wow. So if somebody you know like. Pushes you down, you can be like, "Hey, foul." Yeah, so that's wow. interesting because then there, I feel like that really... leads to all kinds of strange communication things. Oh, and pass it. I'm knocking the mic over. Sorry, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> it's like falling in my head. Yeah. Um, that that seems really like interesting, but also could be challenging. Is it? Are it's, people good about? It's really like, awesome. Honest, of course, or... it's challenging because yeah. people get very heated. You know, if your adrenaline is through the roof and you're uh, running yeah, really fast, definitely. and somebody's like foul, and you're like. I didn't do that, you know. <laughs> but there are rules around what you're. There are, of, of course, there are rules about what you're supposed to say and what you're supposed to do in any situation. Um, that doesn't mean people don't get emotional, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, you just have to like take it down a notch. I am in a. I kind of. Well, last year I was in a um, co-ed soccer, <laughs> recreational soccer league that was super fun. Seuss Creek. Maya was also <laughs> playing rec oh, with yeah. us. D League at the nice. new. It wasn't the Tacoma That's Soccer awesome. Center. It was the other one that was yeah. just been off on 84th Street yeah. for a while. That was incredible. So we had our own. We, yeah. Well, we, stint at that. It's so fun. It's but so like, hard. We had with the rec, we're rec soccer. We don't keep score. Oh. And, and it's ages like 30 to 60. So most people are like my mom's age. And but people then, actually keep scoring their head. They're like, they that was do. actually a second yeah, goal. Yeah. And but it's also self officiated. So I remember that being like last season being like some teams when we would play with them were very aggressively self-officiating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas my team, What's, I was that's all, like so many euphemisms. No, but like think about like some people, I mean, you could look at them and be like, foul, right? Um, but we, mm-hmm. our team was pretty lax about it. Like we wouldn't call people out, but that's that can be hairy if you have a team that's very like, um, I don't know, like jumpy about calling fouls or calling like, I don't know. I, I could see how that could, like Hope said, lead to some weird communication Maya issues. was very good, by the way, at indoor soccer. She says yeah, that she please. wasn't, but she brought her natural gifts from ultimate. <laughs> yeah, kids. that's awesome. Yeah, we had a few practice <laughs> sessions where Nate would be screaming at us like, go to the wallet. Because oh there's no out, like there's no out of bounds. So it's like. So how did you, yeah. how did you fall in love with ultimate Frisbee? Like, do you remember the moment? I do remember the, the moment. Game? In high school, freshman year of high school, um, somebody was like, hey, do you want to go play pickup after school? And I'm like, okay, what's that? Um, at that point, I had been throwing the Frisbee a lot at camp. Mm. So thank you, Jewish summer camp um, <laughs> in, uh, in New York. And uh, so I went, and of course, it's all boys. And maybe there were other girls there, but not a lot. And yeah. it was pickup, so it's not any of these mm-hmm. rules. Yeah. Um, but that's how I fell in love. And then by the time I got to college— uh, Vassar had a men's team. Vassar used to have a women's team, at, but hadn't been there for decades. They had a mm-hmm. men's team, and then at the end of freshman year, uh, 
Some friends and I went up to the guys' captains and were like, you have to make a co-ed now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And they said, okay. That's awesome. Uh, so then it was co-ed, and then it was um, men's and women's a couple years after that. Sweet. Can you talk a little bit about, like, um, the the differences between, like, you're talking about, like, the pro leagues versus, like, college league and stuff like that? Can you talk about yeah, that first? Le- I think what's the I barely know, and I've talked yeah. to you a little bit, and I yeah. assume some of our yeah. listeners It's complex. Um, so Ultimate has college— so college students compete nationally mm-hmm. um, for the national title. And then there's club. So that's mostly adults, but also college students can play club, and that's year-round as well. And club, you also compete nationally, and then you there are world's competitions, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And you so, try out for all of these, correct? Yeah, it's all yeah. depending on the level, but m- mostly it's tryouts with track workouts, all sorts of really intense stuff. Um and so a couple of years ago, some uh, smart men decided to start a pro league <laughs> for the sarcasm. men. Is that, is that, did I sense some sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> smells like sarcasm. Uh, so pro leagues started. The first one was called Major League Ultimate, MLU. And not Men's League Ultimate, just saying. Major Wait, League so Ultimate. it's... MLU. MLU. MLU doesn't exist anymore. So there are two that started MLU and quickly after that AUDL, um, which honestly I don't even remember what it stands for because I don't want to pay attention. (laughs) We can Google it later. (laughs) But the pro leagues were, they were trying to mimic um, other pro sports like football, basketball, and trying to get really great athletes paid. Yeah. So it's a great endeavor. Just women were never on the ground floor. What? Um, so in a co-ed t- sport, there weren't women like. <laughs> it's not just in the- a co-ed sport. It's yeah. just okay. Being, so there it are- being mixed is the special thing about ultimate. Like not yeah. a lot of other sports have, have a mixed right. league. Um, oh. So it could have been mixed from the ground. It could have been men's and women's from the ground, but it was just men's from the ground. And of course, you know the arguments, right? You can already imagine the yeah. arguments, which is, well, people really want to watch men because men are better uh, in sports. That's the first one. Another yeah. one was, well, if you want your own league, you know, you should do it yourself. That was another one. Yeah. A league of their um, own. Hey. You know, if we really want to make money, investors are going to invest in something they know and understand, which is men playing sports, right? So all these like yeah. tired yeah. arguments. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by um, the way, still exists because when I was looking, yeah. like, I was doing some research for this um, episode. I was thinking about questions we wanted to ask you. I, you know, just looking at articles online, and the the, the myths are still there, just like treated as facts. Like men's sports are more interesting. Men's sports are more lucrative. Men are better mm-hmm, at things. Mm-hmm. No, right. <laughs> okay, patriarchy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right. I think what's really tiring for a lot of female athletes who have been fighting this fight is that you have these arguments on the internet. I mean, I watch people have these arguments on the internet on Reddit or whatever, Twitter, and you debunk all the myths, Mm -hmm. right? As soon as something flares up, right, like some conversation flares about men being better at sports than women, you debunk all the myths, you have all those deep conversations, you know, two months later, something else comes up. And it's the same comments yeah. over and over yeah. again. And yeah. that is tiring. Sounds right? like, like internet, emotional internet lift. purgatory. <laughs> right. Well, this is the thing I feel like <laughs> right. with a lot of it's social issues, cycle. right? It yeah. is right. a cycle. And I'm like, did I copy and paste this from right. like another argument three months ago? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, why am I? So I really need like a, go- actually, it's a good idea. I need a Google Doc yeah. where I have like that, you know, um, choose your own adventure with yeah. like the arrow <laughs> right. chart, I've right? If this, do you? I've okay. Can you please share it? For, especially for gender equity and ultimate. Because uh, there are people that were making some really great moves in terms of gender equity. They're like, here, we want to create all these resources for teams and – 
and I was talking to one of them, and I was like, yeah, it would be really great if we had, before you comment, you have to read this document. That <laughs> yeah. if you want to make any of the following comments, yeah. here are the responses. It's a prerequisite. Right. For it's a prerequisite. Going on the internet, you right. need to read it. You need to read some stuff. <laughs> Seriously, because even though you internalize some of those, like, quick comments or whatever, and yeah. you modify them for your, you know, whoever you're talking to, there's still, like, I'm like, what was the thing I just said to that one person that was really good? Yeah. And now I don't remember. Right. 6 a.m. and I'm arguing with somebody that probably shouldn't be, but yeah, they're on the exactly. East Coast, and so they're awake. Right. And there's something Seriously. there about privilege. Like, yes. in order to sit down, read something, and make whatever comment that you want, the first comment that comes to your mind, mm-hmm. there's something there about you don't have to think through all the consequences hmm. of what you're yes. saying. Yes. And also because you feel that what you're saying is just truth. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like, well, I, like, what about black on black crime? Right. It's yeah. like how many like times do you see out, that right? comment and you're like, you, yeah, don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I sent. But I sent that hope is this, like uh, the. Yeah, it's the thing. Like it's the privilege. Like I sent hope this um, tweet that I saw the other day of this white guy on Twitter who was responding to a white guy on argument. Twitter. Yeah, Shocking. what? That's crazy. That in all caps? <laughs> I think I think when you're born you and you're a white male, you might just get a Twitter account. <laughs> Doug, um, is that what happened? Did you get that? Uh, no, Doug didn't get one. Okay. That was before his time. Oh, okay. um, but wasn't like, there yet. yeah, it wasn't around yet. I'm um, old. Twitter is ageist. <laughs> you're not old. I'm old. You're spring chicken. The um, fine wine. The a uh, very, uh, very fine wine. Um, the the tweet was about this guy responding to someone. I don't even remember what the original tweet was. It doesn't even really matter because he, his comment was something like, like, way to make this about privilege. Like someone had made a comment like, oh, do you have privilege to be able to say that? And he's like, yeah. way to make it an argument about privilege. And it was a white guy saying way to make it an argument yeah. about privilege. And it's like, you know, this is like privilege inception. Like you don't even know that you're <laughs> what you're you just like are privileging all over your privilege inside your privilege. And your like, privilege. I don't think you know what's going on. But like, <laughs> Diary it, it, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty bad, dude. Um, But yeah, people just don't realize that like they're preloaded with all this um bias and weirdness because of their privilege. And then they bring it into the room and don't um, check it. You know, they don't mm-hmm. check it at the door. Well, I think kind of going back to that is um, that idea of like channeling your inner mediocre white man. Mm-hmm. Like I try to tell my, like myself out in the things. I'm like, you know what? A mediocre white man wouldn't care right now. He's not worried about this. He's not worried about the consequences. He's not worried about the <laughs> Leslie Nope says about him. She's like, I can't do anything wrong. I'm like a white male U.S. senator. Yeah. You just like channel it and then you like psych yourself out. But then, of course, like we're human beings that like think about the things too. And so then you're yeah. you're combating that and like kind of trying to be conscientious. Right. Well, so, yeah. But, you have a lot of layers too because you're working in education. You were like – like also an athlete like you're and so you're thinking about it through all these different lenses right of what that means I mean because you I mean I'm sure like you teach your students about like like critical theory around like race and privilege so you're it's you're, she's nodding as you're, in, you're in all different <laughs> spheres with this info yeah. all the time mm-hmm. yeah so right. can you talk a little bit more we'll shift to the education piece probably uh, in a little bit but can you talk a little bit more yeah. about what are some of the gender equity issues you're seeing yeah in ultimate and in the work that you do so uh, where to begin with gender equity Starting and race equity with Ultimate? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to say this is a pretty white sport, correct? <laughs> it's a very white sport. Um, <laughs> and I, I was thinking about it this morning where, you know, why is it so white? Where does the whiteness begin? And mm-hmm. it begins in college because mm-hmm. most people start playing when they come to college. You know, they get drafted from other sports like soccer and Lacrosse, I got, the other lacrosse, white sport. <laughs> and I got taken from rugby, so, you know, oh, there's yeah. that. There's that, too. So, um, so, and it's liberal arts colleges and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of other elite spaces, though that is that is shifting. And something that Seattle does that's really interesting is that a lot of the top players began coaching 
uh, in the elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. So not just like, oh, ultimate as a gym class, but ultimate as a sport sport at your school. That's awesome. And especially if you're coaching, not just at, you know, Lakeside or Nathan Hale. If you're you're Mm -hmm. coaching in all these other places, especially the South End, then you're spreading the sport in other spaces. And there's a lot of like radicalness about ultimate that intersects with social justice like the self-officiating because you have to have respect for your other teammates and you have to you know be honest about what you're doing you can't just rely on an outside person to Mm -hmm. tell you whether Mm -hmm. it was a foul or not Mm -hmm. um so there's there's some really interesting intersections between ultimate and social justice thinking Mm -hmm. um and that is coming out in the coaching in the coaching of these young people, um, especially in the South End. And there's um, a really cool organization called Age Up. It stands for All, All Girl Everything Ultimate Program. So you can look that up. Oh, yay. We'll add it um, to show notes. And uh, Age Up is a great org that takes kids from the South End and does that intersecting work of how do you support kids from traditionally marginalized communities that want to play this sport or other sports and really it's just empowerment in terms of leadership language um, mostly around young women of color Mm -hmm. but young men of color are also part of the program and that's really great because you're thinking about masculinity Mm -hmm. and you're thinking about the intersections between masculinity and race and Mm -hmm. privilege and sports Um, and so they do great work in the south end Uh, so where did we start this conversation? Oh, whiteness. Um, <laughs> Just all the, like, yeah, right. inequalities so, that exactly. happen. Exactly. So in the Ultimate world. is very white. And then so I just kind of shifted to, like, what, what are some cool things that are happening? Um, but overall, yes, it is white. And it also is still male-dominated, not in terms of numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, still in terms of numbers all around mm-hmm. the country, you're still like, yeah, there are not enough women's teams or not enough women playing. Um, but mentality, mm-hmm. right, a particular kind of mentality around what is sports and what does mm-hmm. it mean to be an athlete? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to look like an athlete and act like an athlete? Um, so some of the things that I see are like, you know, we still have conversations about unconscious bias on the field. Mm-hmm. So when you have the disc on the field, you're throwing it to your teammates. Yeah. And number one conversation that happens across all leagues, whether you're talking about recreational, low-level, high-level, mm-hmm. club, um, is uh, men not throwing to women. Mm-hmm. So women... and the, Still in their own team? Yes. and That's and the, true in the, soccer, too. Yeah, well, not getting yeah, past yeah. you, right? It's oh. like, I'm not surprised, but I'm just like, come on, you're supposed to be a more progressive yeah. sport. Right. Especially about- because like, I think about playing recreational soccer, and I'm, I'm picturing the, the amazing badass women I know who play ultimate like they are fast like it's not like and they're skilled so it's mm-hmm. not like you're you're not throwing it to someone who's like subpar like but you're even, throwing it right even like, still right? but it's like a mindset right is that what you're saying it is a mindset yeah. it's unconscious bias but even still so let's say you have somebody on your team mm-hmm. that is new a new mm-hmm. player and yeah. you want to support them in their growth yeah you need to throw to them yes absolutely because they need to know what it feels like to catch they yeah. need to know what it feels like to suddenly have a mark on them yeah you know a defender on them and they have to throw around them you have to learn that stuff if you never yeah. throw to your newer players or your unex- inexperienced players they're never going to learn right right so even that argument of like well you know, he or she is not good enough. Like, it doesn't fly if you're trying to develop yeah, a team. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's the hardest conversation to have. And so that one kind of encompasses all those other mm-hmm. behaviors. Like not getting thrown to is one way to think about all the other behaviors mm-hmm. on the team mm-hmm. because it comes from unconscious bias. It's not conscious. It's not like, you know, a dude has the desk and is like, I see Maya. No, yes. You know, like no thanks. Uh, it's so, so, so yeah. deep because it's such yeah. a quick decision yeah. about who you trust. Mm-hmm. That trust is so integral. And if, if as a player, I feel that my teammates do not trust me, I mean, yeah. it erodes all, the joy of the game and, yeah. you know, right. my opportunity to be better as a player also. Right. You right? can't if improve you're not, if you're never You can't improve if you're not giving the opportunity to right. do yeah. interesting things or put your body in interesting places or throw interesting throws, right? Yeah. Well, I think about all the people who, are, who might be listening and, and even if you don't play the sport, like— these the things you're talking about like really extrapolate out to mm-hmm. so many other Super professions true. and yeah. and sports. Well, and like equity access issues yeah. in every field, every every co-ed yeah. sport, every industry. I mean, like we talk about a lot um, gender equity issues in education, which is a female dominated profession, right? But still have a lot of male leadership. So. Yeah, it's like it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like because um, you played both on mixed leagues and as well as like all women? Mm-hmm. What are some of the differences that you noticed uh, that you're willing great to get question. into? <laughs> uh, the very first time I played women's, the thing that I noticed was that my position. So in mixed at the time and now I was a handler. A handler is like akin to quarterback. Okay. If you're trying to figure out what that means, like mm-hmm. you handle the disc more, yeah. you're kind of like you sound like a boss though, the handler. The handler, uh, and there are usually <laughs> going to come in and handle two them. or yeah. three. That's There's awesome. usually two or three yeah. that you work together, and the other people on the field are working. They're, they're your receivers, right? Yeah. So on in mixed at the time, I was the female handler. Because I'd be playing on teams where always two men handlers would get called and one female mm-hmm. handler. And I'd be on the side and I'd kind of just support, you know. And that's mm-hmm. at the time I say that because the teams I've been playing with since then are much, much better. Okay. Um, then I started playing women's and you're not the female handler. You're just a handler. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so the you have so <laughs> much more opportunity. Mm-hmm. You can play in any mm-hmm. position. You can you know, put yourself in a power position. You could put yourself in a leadership position because you're not being relegated to, like, the female handler spot or the female this Mm. spot, you know. Um, And that was eye-opening, and it was really um, Mm. an amazing experience. And that was many years ago. Uh, Also, women's is harder, I will say. Women's is harder. You have to work a lot harder to get what you want. Um, And Do you you feel like you experienced more growth in not all women's? Yes, a hundred percent. Especially if you're inexperienced or mm-hmm. mid level, because you're just forced to to take leadership roles, no matter where you are in the field, mm-hmm. no, no matter who you mm-hmm. are. Um, granted, you know, there's not always that opportunity. If you're not playing in a great team, you're not playing a great team. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're like forced to uh, get in that space, get that disc, get that D. Yeah. You know, and there's a different attitude also about teamwork and support and that comes from you know centuries of being marginalized as women yeah so the team mentality Mm -hmm. about what does it mean to support each other is different just because you have that other thing in your mind like sports are not separate from what we experience culturally and socially right yeah Yeah. we can't just say oh like as soon as i step on the ultimate field everything you know all my identities are erased like that's just not how that works leave your politics at home what are you doing (laughs) i just want to watch sports like that comment i just want to watch football why are you kneeling right now why are you talking about it why are you trying to make this political and about like 
It's just not possible. (laughs) It's just impossible. And that's very hard for people to understand, especially for people who, you know, are playing sports and the identities they bring are already the ones that are part of dominant culture or or Mm -hmm. supported or, you know, it's like natural that you're playing sports, things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, so you played both in the Northwest and on the East Coast, right? Mm-hmm. What are do you know anything like East Coast West Coast differences? Honestly, I don't. I mean, no, no, nah, nah, I can't speak to that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just didn't know if there was like a difference or if it's just like that kind of those issues just track along the way. My guess is that they they, they show do. Up everywhere. Oh, they're everywhere yeah. for sure. Some pervasive. They're kind everywhere of for sure. I just yeah. I didn't play ultimate at a at that level okay. in the East Coast. I play college, and it's just very different. Yeah. So what are some of uh, you mentioned like the organization that's helping empower young women of color in in all athletics but specifically ultimate It's specifically ultimate cool yeah is there yeah. other things that you feel like the Northwest is doing a good job of trying to like uh, approach some of these equity issues around gender or even race when it comes to ultimate I see a lot of leaders coming out of Seattle and the Seattle area um, doing things like creating uh, resources for mixed teams. So what does it mean to have a mixed team? What does it mean to have this kind of gender ratio? Like how do you support equity mm-hmm. on your field? How do you talk to each other? How do you have conversations? So there's a lot of, there's lots of resource generation. Um, and there's also lots of conversations happening locally. So people hosting conversations mm-hmm. about Frisbee, feminism, mm-hmm. race equity, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff is happening locally. And then nationally, we do have a couple of uh, cool things. There's a movie, a documentary being made called The Sky is Red. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to speak too much about it because I don't know a ton about The Sky is Red, but I know it's a documentary and it's kind of tracking ultimate mm-hmm. uh, history, definitely focusing on women and people of color. Cool. I hope I got that right. Yeah. Please fact check me. That sounds really good. And then another yeah. one is Upwind Ultimate, and they're doing Again, something similar. They're they're like traveling around the country as a group mm-hmm. and hosting mm-hmm. conversations around equity and also playing ultimate. Um, nice, like hosting games. Mm-hmm. So Sounds that's really cool. that's like a lecture tour. So I kind of want to make it a little more personal. Like thinking about your role in this work. Like, what's that like? What are some ways that you I don't know in the moment combat the issues? Can you do that in the moment? Yeah, or is I there feel like, like it's so yeah, complicated? Do you have a sometimes. specific example of like when you've had when you've encountered a, a problem and how you handled it in the moment or how you handled it later? <laughs> if that's too high pressure question, you can tell someone else's story. Yeah. No, Just it's a really up. good question. The reason I'm grimacing is because um, people don't like to be called out. Yeah. No, definitely not. It's very hard to call people out because you sometimes you don't know. You know, you're like, hey, I have this feeling. This feels real shitty. Yeah. Um, I th- I'm attributing into these um, different social dynamics and gender dynamics. Um, how do you call someone out? Because when people get called out, they want evidence. They're like, they want hard facts. They're like, let me just do this. What is it called? VAR, where you like record it. Let's record yeah. back yeah. about right. what happened. Yeah, right. exactly. So it's really hard <laughs> to actually in the moment say anything, although right. – and sometimes it requires processing time too. Like you have to, th- you almost you have, have to, to like, like think about what happened and it. why you feel yeah. the way mm. you feel, and yeah. so that's very difficult. Yeah. Um, but there was a time in my life where I decided that I'm just going to be that person that calls things out, mm. and that's very uncomfortable. Yeah. But you know, I've had people come up to me and be like, "I remember when you used to do that," and then it made me think, and I'm like, "Great, I guess I'll keep doing." But even here's a simple, a really like simple example from this year and last year. Um, ultimate Frisbee players are not immune to fat phobia. 
Mm-hmm. And during the off season, a lot of times you'll see people saying on Facebook, it's fat season mm-hmm. because it's the off season. Right? And so wow. they get to like drink beer and eat burgers. Wow. And I've, I've had. I don't know come, why I'm like wowing. But yeah, it's just, like, it's very interesting that, you know, like fat phobia is real. Yeah. Um, and again, it's subconscious. It's unconscious. It's not like people are looking at you or me and saying, you're fat, so you can't play ultimate. Um, But it's that trust thing again. So if I hear people making fat phobic comments, I'm like, what are they thinking about me or my other teammates that don't have like traditional body types um, for for sports? Um, And so, yeah, somebody said something about blah, 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 fat season. And I said, can you use a different word? (laughs) And and he did. He like chose another word just in the moment. And yeah. then that's it, yeah. right? And then you just walk Simple. away. Yeah, you put, plant the seed. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a really good way to say, yeah. hey, can you just use a different word? You don't have to, like, go yeah. into the whole right. launching in that moment. And sometimes right. the moments require yeah. launching into, but other times— One of, one of my yeah, favorite articles, I think it might have been in um, Time Magazine, was the article about the Olympic body types. Do you remember that? It yes. was a couple years ago. Yeah. It was so cool. It was, like, all of the different sports and how people's bodies are um, shaped— just the diversity and like body shape is so mm. interesting in the uh, Olympics. And we traditionally think of the Olympics and you think of like, like, um, like a really toned physique. Right. Mm. But there are athletes who have, who are all different shapes and sizes who, um, That'd be a really good homework. And they dominate. They dominate, right? right? Like women who are who are big and strong in powerlifting who are like and that's just I mean, just the the variety of body types is in the Olympics is pretty incredible. Um I I actually just saw I think it might have been on Instagram, but it was um it was like people without you know yoga is usually like yeah. like swan like women who are like six feet tall and like just very uh, uh, very beautiful like supermodels, um, and there's nothing wrong with being a beautiful supermodel. Let's just put it out there. You can you can you do you, you, um, do you. you be yourself. Um, but just seeing different body types, people with different body types doing yoga, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's often seen as like almost like a sensual kind of sexy kind of thing, right? And um, there's a lot of fat phobia in the yoga community. So, mm-hmm. and there are people combating that in the Seattle area. I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of really great stuff coming out of mm-hmm. the yoga community. But yeah, another white lady activity that is, <laughs> is being uh, deconstructed. <laughs> yeah. yeah a, a co-opted a white lady activity. Co-opted. Then, yeah, oh yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Appropriated. Yeah. What were you thinking? I just, uh, I pulled up this post that um, Dallas Ultimate Association's Women's Committee created called 10 Things You Can Do Right Now to Grow Women's Ultimate. It sounds oh, like cool. clickbait, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it, it's one of those like, what are, what are things you can do on your team right away to yes. support equity on on your team? Yeah. And, the, and the reason I'm pulling this up is because um, I think it's cool, A. But also um, – just telling people not to have bias is not enough. Yes, right. <laughs> and also just telling people to, to just saying support women is yeah, also not enough. Uh, and I yeah. was thinking mm-hmm. a lot about this this week, which is, you know, when we say diversity and inclusion in sports and education and other spaces, like what do we really mean and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And it's not enough to just open your arms up and be like, OK, women, you can play sports. <laughs> right. It's not really enough. Although a lot of people think that yeah. inclusion just means enough. Yeah. yeah, just means like. Like the body is there. Yeah. Um, but the issue with that is that the entire structure of the sport mm-hmm. or the organization right. or the school or whatever, it's been created through the lens of whatever is the dominant, right. those dominant identities. Yeah. It's right. like when we hire 
staff in schools who are people of color and then say, oh, look, we don't have a diversity problem anymore, right? Right, because you're here. Because you're here. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you can right. fix you're everything. Here. <laughs> and then you start to look around and you're like, wait a second, it's all like classified staff rather than certificated, right? right? Yeah. And then you start to look at some of those power dynamics. And, and there's class issues that are embedded in that that uh-huh. are really, cla- literally classified, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Staff. Yeah. So it's, right. I mean, yeah. Oh, so read us his list. So yeah, what are some of the 10 things? What's on it? What are some of the... sounds really cool. And by the way, side note, I resent listicles and 10 things, but I also cannot stop looking at them. Yeah, and so great. I admit to the fact of like, I just wrote one actually that's nice. going to be published soon. Like I, I kinda, five points to do ooh, whatever. That's, a, you that's know? definitely because like, uh, people are seventh grade readers and we want to like yep. get in, get out. And yeah. Do it actually, listicles actually follow a lot of the traditional rules of journalism in terms of like having the lead and then having the, yeah. you know, the um, the details, right? Like easy to find, front loaded. true. Yeah. I okay. Mean, Read them. Sorry. Okay. We're ready. I mean, they're <laughs> they're, they're really straightforward. I yeah. think they get at just actions rather than unpacking unconscious bias. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, what can I do? Yeah. Um, number one, amplify what a woman says in your huddle. Like, I agree with Jane. We should blah, blah, blah. Yes. Right. Nice. So yeah. amplification. Yes. That's awesome. Really and important. you can do that anywhere. Right. Right. <laughs> the lady sits across and said, being like, that's my idea. You can be like, right. so Annie just yeah. said blah, blah, yeah. blah. But don't mansplain it. Just a little uh-huh. side note. Be careful. Fine line. <laughs> so, yeah, amplify just means, like, yeah, give a boost. You know, yeah. Give a bo- boost, right? Give a prop. Um, let's see. What else is a good one on here? The, these are a little – they're they sound – now they sound silly reading them no, out. No, go ahead. Just read them. Like, uh, introduce yourself to a new woman at pickup and offer to throw with her. Uh, this is actually a really big deal. Pickup just means, like, you go mm-hmm. to the park and you – are picking up yeah. to play with people. It's not a yeah. structured team or league or anything like that. Pickup yeah. is one of the worst places for women to play ultimate mm-hmm. because you have to, you know that saying, like you have to do twice as much yep. to be considered half as good? Yep. Right. And so at pickup, you, if you go, and this is why I never played pickup, you arrive and people already don't trust you. Yeah. And so you have mm-hmm. to work like eight times harder to yeah. prove yourself just to get the yeah. disc. Um and so this is a good one for pickup. It's like mm-hmm. identify the people at pickup that are historically marginalized and mm-hmm. like throw with them, get to know them, build that trust, right? Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's a good one. Um, during a set play, give your woman a central role to play like an ISO. ISO means um, isolated. So mm-hmm. the if you call an ISO play, that means one person is in charge of running the play. Mm. So in ultimate, it's kind of like a leadership Type position in during ga- during gameplay. Yeah, during okay. gameplay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. So and it's stuff like that where it's just like pick your eyes up. Basically, it's like look up and say, okay, yeah. you know who who am I picking right now? Who mm-hmm. am I talking to? And this yeah. is for men and women both. Yes. Yeah. Right? Because women have internalized this patriarchy as well. Yeah. Right. Like who are you turning to for leadership? Who are you turning to for advice? Who are you turning yeah. to to run those important plays? Yeah. Is um, is ultimate a sport that is is pretty inclusive of people who are non binary or is it I've been wondering that's in too. the works. Oh okay. It's in the yeah, works. So it's like a th- conversation that's it's happening. It's definitely a sport. conversation that's happening. There is like there are uh rules around like if you're trans where you can play, if you can play yeah. men's or women's, depending on where you are, if you are transitioning. Mm-hmm. So those rules do exist. And I 
I think people are like, all right, this is a good starting place, but we have to rethink some of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, It also doesn't include non-binary and what if you're not transitioning Mm -hmm. and things like that. Okay. Um, So so those are conversations that are starting to happen for sure. Who makes the rules, by the way? I mean, I guess like governing body, USA, (laughs) um, Ultimate. I think that's a conversation. I've heard that conversation in other sports also like like um, elite sports and Olympics level, like inclusion of non-binary and trans athletes and kind of what that looks like. And um, yeah, it's an, it's interesting so how it's being handled by different sports. There's that yeah. question again about inclusion. Mm-hmm. So if your sport is traditionally binary, mm-hmm. inclusion then is meaningless if yeah. you're saying, yeah, if you're like non-binary and trans folk, like it's yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So you have to actually restructure yeah. your yeah. idea about what the sport is and yeah. what does it mean to have a ratio right. in order to actually perform that inclusion. And that's what mm-hmm. I was like t- thinking about before, mm-hmm. which is, you know, inclusion doesn't mean anything if you keep the structure the same. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. um, one, this is a something that um, Bell Hooks kind of got into my head. Yeah. Have you all read um, Teaching to Transgress? Mm-mm. Um, I think I read it in grad like a school. A long time yeah, ago, right? Time so ago. she has this one moment where she's talking about growing up and, you know, when she was younger, she went to a segregated school and then mm-hmm. they desegregated yeah. and she started going to um, an inclusive school. Oh, Let's use uh. those words, right? And she's like, yeah, it was great and all to desegregate, except we went from a school where we were, we were being empowered as black children to a school that ran on a curriculum of white supremacy. Mm. Right. And so that. Yeah. So she was like, hey, let's actually think about what desegregation means for black and brown children. Because systemic desegregation, it's like that's. You have to do the curricular part, too. It's everything. It's all inclusive. You can't just change. Like you said, get someone in the door and say, look, we're doing it. We're doing it. I I mean, as you're talking about this, I'm like, yeah, obviously I'm like taking a highlighter like in the air and highlighting your sentence there. Um, So English teacher of me. But I think I think that's like what you're getting at really is so much of the problem around inclusion. And so I think about that in our schools where we're like, oh, we're going to have inclusion special education classes. And the problem is it just means dumping kids into other classes and then like nobody's really getting their needs met or served. Mm-hmm. And I, in some ways I'm like, OK, it's a starting point, right? Like mm-hmm. it's better than being Absolutely. isolated. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like that. You're, you're right. It's about the systemic issues mm-hmm. that have to be structured. Mm-hmm. Like the teachers have to be trained how to work with new students that they've never worked with before and understand different kinds of needs. Also, and we they need, need like different twice, kinds of support. We need like twice as many staff members in the building because, yeah. you smaller know, it's like classes. smaller you classes. Yeah. You need more adult contact with kids so that they are getting um, they have adults they trust and they are like feeling supported in the classroom because if yeah. they don't feel supported, they won't succeed. Well, and you're kind of going back to the point of like not um, the ratio, right? And so mm-hmm. I think about that ratio even in <laughs> classrooms where we're like, okay, up to X number of students can be special needs and then mm-hmm. X number of students are gen ed is, mm-hmm. you know, the terms we're using, right, at the high school level or K-12 level. But even that's not equitable, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like, well, having half and half is still problem <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, it's not equitable yeah. access to and so mm-hmm. how do we challenge ourselves to like actually make those systemic changes mm-hmm. in addition yeah. to like the incremental pieces mm-hmm. wow ultimate is like a metaphor for everything <laughs> it is this is why people love the sport and there's yeah. also this is also why people are like 
angry about the pro yeah, teams because yeah. the pro teams changed some of the rules. Yeah. They made the sport more about like sensationalized content where the field is much bigger. Yeah. So you have these like crazy long throws and then yeah. 10 dudes, again, dudes, yeah. underneath the disc, like vying for it and jumping really, really high. And they're yeah. amazing athletes and they jump really, really high. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think it's more like... Pa- but people are mad. I wonder, what's the right word I'm looking for? Like palatable to like audiences who are used to watching things like... I guess, like, that are already televised widely like football? Are they, like, is it making it kind of for those audiences to kind of buy in? Or I is think it... that's the argument. Okay. I but it doesn't need I to be like that. It, and yeah. it doesn't need to be yeah. that way at Make all. Make it flashy to right. get people's attention, but it doesn't um, need to be that good, way. Because the, the sport is, like, amazing by itself. It doesn't, you don't need the bells and whistles to make it yeah. fun and, to watch. And I have a really, like stringent perspective on the yeah. pro sports like yeah. some other people can see the intricacies and blah blah, yeah. blah but I don't I'm just like nah no thanks show. like I'm watching yeah I'm yeah. like I've been watching um, women fight for equity in the sport for a long time so the argument that like well we just wanted to get up and do something if you wanted to do something you would have done it it's like yeah we've yeah, been working no. really hard <laughs> at home yeah right? yes. that's kind of that, that's kind of that <laughs> argument um, the patriarchy's favorite argument wait your turn right like yeah. wait your right, turn right. Yeah, wait your yeah. turn it's not your turn Turn yet? Wait your turn. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Can we take a quick break? Yeah, to hear from our sponsors. Sounds good. All right. Oh my gosh, Annie. So when's your next vacation? I don't know. It's really hard to plan. There's like a me, Angela, baby. It's hard to travel with a baby. So I'm kind of, I don't know, just like kind of vacation sober right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you need to get away. Like, make a getaway and get yeah. away. And plus, haven't you been building up your Alaska miles? Well, obviously. What self-respecting Seattle-Tacoma area traveler does not have an Alaska mileage number? I have my memorized. Hashtag true confessions. Oh, really? That's kind of awesome. It is really the best, though. When Even when I don't fly, I can build miles with purchases on my Alaska credit card, which uh, is cool. I like that. Yeah, I love it. We book trips using miles all the time. One year, Nate and I gorged ourselves on barbecue in Kansas City Ooh. by using our like miles and companion fare. Another year, we spent a week in New Orleans. You who can dat? just yeah, who dat who dat? I learned that you had to shout that everywhere you went. That's awesome. Yeah, this is gonna be such a great way for you, your boo, and your baby to get away. Plus, your baggage fee is waived if you use Alaska credit card. That's so rad. You can pack all the diapers you want. I'm gonna go check out fl- flights right now. All right. To book your next flight, visit alaskaair.com. We fly Alaska. And we're back. Hey. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome. So let's uh, pivot a little bit, and I'd love to hear more about how these um, issues and uh, passions that you have, like, go into your work as a professor. What is that like? Teaching at a community college and and being awesome. How do you extend the a metaphor of uh, gender equity to? <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> more from ultimate to your to your uh, professional life. Oh, dang! Sorry, stump me. <laughs> How's work? How's work? Uh, work is hard. Work yeah. is really hard. And, the, and education work is so hard. <laughs> education work is really hard. Um, yeah. But we could talk more about inclusion because yeah, that is that. something yeah, that absolutely is a big topic everywhere yeah. and anywhere. Right. Um, and you have some? Do you have some unique, unique like um, situations or needs in community college setting that you don't have elsewhere? Like that's a, that's a, yeah. What are your challenges? Or indeed, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's going on? What's what's going on with work? Yeah, what's what's really hard about community college work, and also what makes it exciting and necessary and radical is that our population is so diverse and. Um, that 
what I when I say diverse, I mean in all the different intersections. So we have people who are coming back to college after being in the workforce. So they're like mm-hmm. fifty, you know, Non-treads. or Those yeah, we used to call them Western non-trads, non-traditional, <laughs> non-traditional. Yeah, non-traditional. Non-trad sounds <laughs> really terrible. Yeah. It sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah, that's why you don't. That's why you don't say it anymore. <laughs> yeah, because it sounds bad. Non-traditional. Okay. Non-traditional. Yeah, but again, that's the thing. How yeah. are we defining traditional? Who's traditional? Right. Who's traditional? Because right. a traditional student is normed on white middle class values. Aye. Right. Aye. And those are real, those are hard to break. Mm-hmm. And they I are. will tell that yeah. tell you that as somebody who is like very introspective on their teaching, it's really hard to break those. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was conditioned in me. I did the traditional route. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like high school, college, right? Yeah. Um, so we also have a very large international student population mm-hmm. from a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. And we have students who are completing their high school degree. So they never finish high school. Mm-hmm. So they're doing this other kind of program, which I actually think that's the coolest part. Oh, um, yeah. The coolest thing that we offer, because high school is terrible for some kids, yeah. Yeah. right? It's just like it just doesn't that. work, yeah. right? And so they have this other way to get their degree mm-hmm. that is, and they have, you know, case caseworkers and things like that. Yeah. All the support um, network to yeah. make it happen. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, and we also have Running Start. So do you all know what Running Start is? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's high school students who want to get some college credits. Mm-hmm. So they come to the college to get credits, usually English and mm-hmm. math. Mm-hmm. Um, I think math. I got to check on that. Uh, so I see a lot of running start students. So I mm-hmm. see almost all our different kinds of students because almost all of them have to take en- English mm-hmm. to get whatever degree they're going for, mm-hmm. either the AA or um, whatever other completion. What are your course titles that you teach? I know you got some. I teach English 101 and English 102. So that's 101 mm-hmm. is basically intro composition, mm-hmm. college writing, and 102 is research writing. Nice. And then sometimes we get to teach literature. So I get to do that once a year, once every other year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, so how do you – like that? you have all these different kinds of students in your classroom. How do you approach this? How do you combine your passions around equity and with race and gender in class and all those things into the curriculum? It's – a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. You, know, you got a lot of stuff going on. And we weren't yeah. trained like y'all were. So the word differentiation is when I learned from my partner, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's in K-12. <laughs> yeah. I used to work with him. Right. He's awesome as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's it's hard to think about um, how do you teach to everybody's needs, yeah. everybody's um, achievement goals. Um, not everybody that is there to transfer, but the mentality mm. is everyone's going to want to transfer to a four-year. Mm. So you want to discipline them in that particular way. That's what we know at high school level. To We do we have a lot of focus on um, post-secondary education. Yeah. yeah, It's not necessarily four-year, but, like, you're going to go on to more training, right? And that's the – Right. That's kind of Yeah, and we focus. need to prep you for the next. Yeah. We also do a lot of shaming, though. Like, your college professors are never going <laughs> to help they won't you. Tolerate They're this. not going to hold your hand. They won't take <laughs> yeah. your late work. They don't care. They're just there for <laughs> – They're heartless. <laughs> yeah. No, we, which we know is true. But talking yeah. to you, I mean, every time I talk to you, I always walk away with something yeah. to think about, like how I work with my students. So right. I love, I love what you're Because we got to get them ready for you, right? If they are right. going to go on to the community college right. level, like what's the what's their next step? We got to have them 
But you also really care about your students. And I think whatever narrative I'm telling them, like, your college professors won't care about you, like, that's not true. That that is true if they go to a school that's a million people and their classes are a million people. Then, yeah, they're not going to get that individualized attention. At community college, they will if, Mm. well, not all professors believe in that. Some professors do call it hand-holding, and I really don't. Mm. I think of it more as, like, understanding systemic injustices and trying to account for them. Um, With relationships and, like— You have to build relationships that understand where your students are coming from. That's awesome. So you've been teaching for— Four. So hard. <laughs> how, how many years have you been teaching there? Uh, this is my fourth year at Trelawney. Yeah. And but you were you also taught classes at UW. I did as a TA. So how yeah. does like how has that been different? I mean, besides the position of like yeah. your job, uh, are the students different or the needs different? I I bet that they are. But honestly, when we were at UW, we were not really encouraged mm. to mm. Um, get into their lives. Yeah. And they were not encouraged to show that kind of vulnerability. Mm. Um, And so you just saw different work habits. Mm -hmm. And it's not because, like, UW students are better than Shoreline students or anything like that. First of all, many of them are there because they've been conditioned to work in a certain kind of way. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes comes from privilege because Mm -hmm. you had parents at home Mm -hmm. who conditioned you to work and discipline yourself in a certain way. Or you got to go to school Mm -hmm. or or you were fed at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Getting yourself to an elite college a lot of the times is because you had the conditions at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yes, you're very smart, all of you that are listening. You're very <laughs> smart. Don't worry about that. It's yeah. just about like discipline you, yourself you in terms of work. You minimum standards for admission. Yeah. And part of the reason that was possible is that you yeah. had some, some stuff. Yeah. People don't there. like hearing that because they're like, they well, don't. I work really yeah. hard. It's like, yes. You do work really hard. Everybody works accurate. as hard it's as they possibly statement. can within the conditions. Um, I was just talking to this girl this week. Um, so my students are wrapping up their satire unit. And so they're, they get to create their own pieces of satire about whatever social issue that they care about. And so this one girl's like, this is a white girl. She's like, I really want to do one on white privilege because I don't think it exists. And I was like, okay, well, you can do That's whatever you take. want. Right? How did your head not explode? <laughs> I have a lot of trouble with those. I'm like, really? Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, what do you think are some of the issues around that? And like, how'd you get to feeling that way? You know, I'm just trying to, because for me, I'm like, it's not about what you present. Like, yeah. I'm not assessing their opinion on that issue mm-hmm. that I disagree with. I'm assessing like, can they use satire effectively? Which I mean, you can get into some of those is it effective if it's right. you know but uh is it you know are they using techniques are they like have a target audience in right. mind so anyway, she's sitting at a table with like all brown kids um which is a lot of our school and she's got a lot of personal friendships so it's just kind of funny you know and so mm-hmm. they're she's like well what do you guys think and so they're like helping her flesh out her idea and sure. and they're you know she's doing the same with theirs and the different topics at their table so you know, we kind of talked through it. And she's like, well, I just think, you know, when doctors, um, when kids are born, you know, like they're not racist. But like if you're white, you're automatically assumed that you're racist. And I just think I like I work really hard. She was going in that, you know, hard work mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you do work really hard. So what again, what do you think is the message you want to communicate? What's the best way you're yeah. going to communicate this in your project? Yeah. So I'm like trying to channel her. So um, and then I just kind of walk away and let the you know kids work on their stuff. And so then the next day she comes into class and she's like, so I think I'm going to change my project topic and I was like oh and she's like yeah I went home and I was trying to work on it and I was like well I think white privilege I mean I don't experience it but then I started realizing 
you know, other people do. And like maybe just because I have an opinion doesn't mean and my experience isn't the same as everybody else's. And so mm. like maybe that actually yeah. other people do have these privileges mm. from things. You know, so she's like having this nuanced conversation that with herself. Amazing. That she realized. That's amazing. That's great. And I'm like, so I didn't good. do anything with that. <laughs> That's not true. I mean, <laughs> it was awesome. That kind and of patience like, and being like, OK, yeah. like really flesh it out. Can you can you get to a logical conclusion? That is so important. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I was really totally. proud of it. I said, you know, I just I really appreciate that you're being open about your thinking as it's evolving yeah. and changing and you're going to keep evolving and changing your opinions about things but um, it's okay a lot to, of adults it's okay to change yeah, <laughs> I was like a lot of adults can't even sometimes. do that yeah. and have a hard time separating Absolutely. their own personal experience yeah. from other people's experiences in the mm-hmm. system you know yeah and she's like yeah and then you know she, she went back to work mm-hmm. I was like yes but it made me kind of think about what you're talking about in, the, in this way right um when we're separate from things. So thinking about some of your what do you what do you love about working at the community college you're in or the work that you do? The kids. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not all kids. So when I say kids, it's like yeah. all ages. But yeah, the forty year old um, kid, it's all right. Forty year old kids. <laughs> yeah. The kids are it's great to to get to a place where I'm like, oh, they really want to talk about this thing or yeah. they we really want to write about this thing and um and they're doing it and reaching their own learning goals, which is really important to me. And that's really hard to do, yeah. to be like, what's your learning goal? Right. I'm trying not to be like, my learning goal for you is for, for you to understand Michel Foucault, you know, like <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, All right. Do you feel like like at the community college level that students, especially students who are coming back to school maybe after a break are, do you think they have, they feel more motivated because they like have chosen that for themselves, or do you do you see the like mm-hmm. the interest in the personal interest higher mm-hmm. in that setting? Motivation's a hard one to talk about because I think when students they may perform that they're not motivated, but really something else is going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're experiencing mm-hmm. high anxiety, sure, or they are experiencing PTSD, mm-hmm. or um, you know, again, they were not conditioned to discipline themselves in a certain kind of way, and so. If they don't achieve something right away, they get mm-hmm. really scared and they sure. don't want to do it anymore. So motivation is actually really hard to assess yeah. because there's all this other stuff underlying it. Right. Um, that being said, yes, students who are coming to the college with a really particular goal mm-hmm. or going into like our nursing program or something like that. Yeah. Yes, they are like. I have a goal and this is what I want to achieve. Right. I do think also it's a great place if you don't know what you want to do because you can get a lot of really great support yeah. and individualized attention yeah. even if you don't know what, what you want to do. But the narratives of like you have to know what you want to do. You have to do it really well. Yeah. You can't fail. You need to get a 4.0. All that stuff still exists at our level. Yeah. Um, and that's so detrimental to mm-hmm. students. It is, yeah. Um, I just heard a great acronym, which is FAIL, um, First Attempt in Learning. I really like that a lot. I really like that. I'm taking yeah. it. It's Great. good. Right? I'm going to amplify it. Thanks. Thank you. Get it on, yeah. <laughs> on Driftwood. We've talked about on the show yeah. about Driftwood. And yeah, above my smart board. Inspiring. Yeah, just inspiring yeah. quote with some like beach glassing. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I really like that saying because it's that like good, if yeah. you think about it cultivates a, that it encompasses kind of the idea of like growth mindset. Like you're you are you fail and it's OK to fail um, because it's just an attempt and it doesn't mean that you are it doesn't mean you have lost value as a person by Mm -hmm. trying and failing right you've gained something instead so So, that's one of the biggest things that we work with with our students is what does it mean to be successful yeah Yeah. um but again because they've been conditioned so hard to see success in such a narrow way right that i could say it over and over and over again to their face i can be like 
you know, try a new strategy. It's okay. Yeah. Let's work yeah. on this. I'll give you like, you know, we'll have a new schedule. Yeah. So conditioned, right? Um, we're going to have to wrap up here soon, but I wanted to ask you, I know you're like helping, you're, you're doing a lot of leadership stuff with like your colleagues and I don't know if, if you can speak to any of that, but like how, how are you involved in like shaping those conversations and making some of those systemic changes? Is there like one thing that you're feeling is working or that you're working on? Also a good question. (laughs) Um, it is very hard to assess change. Mm at the community college level because everybody is so bogged down. Mm. There's so much work to do just in your own classroom. Uh, So everybody is interested in it, right? And then it comes down to doing something. It's like, I don't have time. Um, That happens at K-12 too. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So um, I think one of the ways – one of the ways that we're making some moves is by taking a social justice lens to mm-hmm. our work as a faculty. Nice. Um, so really thinking about equity in a multitude of ways. Um, and that kind of change, you're not going to see it right away. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's just that lens of like, how mm-hmm. do we look at our work through this lens? And um, and I can tell you more about that in like five years, right? Like yeah. what has happened. It's a long end game. Right. Yeah. Um, but always bringing that up in terms of, like, who are our students? Where are they coming from? What are their mm-hmm. incomes? They're not all the same. And continuing to question what we expect of them mm-hmm. and what do we expect as success. And then what are we being pressured, like, mm-hmm. top down? Um, not from our administration, but, again, those, like, general narratives yeah. about college education. Right. Um, so asking those questions a lot is really important. And I think we're working on that as a college overall, and that's probably the most um, optimistic thing that I will say about Charlene Community yeah. College is yeah. that overall there's a lot of work. I'm yeah. not I'm not like mm-hmm. saying that it's working or that it's the right thing to do, but there are a lot of questions and conversations around it. It's um, a good starting point. Yeah. Sounds like it also fits nicely into our metaphor about ultimate frisbee. Does it? Yeah. Tell me how. Because you're tackling right. you're tackling, oh, equity, tackling tackling equity issues. Well, I'm not right. tackling an ultimate. Remember, right. no contact. No contact. Just that it's like um, you're you're working on these equity issues in your different contexts, right? You're working on equity issues in the college. You're working on equity issues in your sport. You're you are working on you're doing the work, which is just mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I'm doing the work, but I'm also a white woman in a feel Mm -hmm. dominated by white women and Mm -hmm. so really it's important to amplify Mm -hmm. you know women of color doing the work at our institution and other institutions um and when we talk about inclusion again it's not just bringing more people of color into the institution but reframing the institution around those questions um so that our institutions look like our community and they're not yeah that it's not i mean yeah, and it's not these. just about bodies, but it's right. like, what do we stand for? Yeah. How do we— How do your values have foster a, inclusion? How do we value it? What are our relationships with our students, right? Yeah. That's so important. So uh, to wrap up, we yes. want to actually—we <laughs> actually want to do a new segment oh, we haven't thrown yeah. on you before. Uh, and this is called Guilty Favesies. <laughs> Interchangeable. White ladies! So in this segment— <laughs> Love it. This I can't is where wait. you identify things that you make you feel a bit guilty, but you but secretly you love, love it. them so much. <laughs> or maybe it's not even that much of a secret. It's just like really a favesy. But you also have the sense of, of white guilt or Catholic mm. guilt or Christian guilt or mm. any other kind of guilt. Any other kind of guilt. Any other kind of guilt. Familial that guilt. Because <laughs> I think like women have a lot of guilt. So this is, we're mm-hmm. trying this out here. So guilty favesies. Annie. Okay. My my guilty favesy is 
packaged frozen food. <laughs> and the reason why it's a guilty is because of all the packaging and the plastic and mm-hmm. the the use of the microwave. Yeah, and it's like, vegan. Uh, yeah, okay, the they're vegan frozen meals, <laughs> ma'am. Ma'am, they're vegan, <laughs> vegan frozen meals. That's the problem I have because is you cook it in the plastic on the tray, the, the garbage, there's all the garbage, and it's just so gr- bad for the environment. It's so bad for the mm-hmm. environment. It doesn't even matter if the parts are recyclable because there's always that weird plastic film that you have to take off. But, but... I like to eat frozen meals because they're convenient and you can cook them quickly and you don't have to fuss with you can just throw the tray in the garbage or the recycling. <laughs> recycling, Annie. Recycling. Recycling. Unless it has that weird metal layer that like is microwave, then you can't separate. It's kinda like the Tetra Pack. That's the guilty part, is that you can't it's bad for the environment, but it's so convenient. That's my guilty faves. Eve. My guilty faves. Eve, you've heard me talk about it on the show before is Vampire Diaries. Oh, six yeah. seasons of my life committed. <laughs> yeah. It is both trash and I can't stop Such watching it. Trash. I know I should be reading everything else that is better. Oh, you know what? You could read Vampire Diaries because it was a book before it was oh, a show. Do not tell me that. That's actually, your no. next book. No, I can't waste more of my life because <laughs> I have that sense of guilt. Every time I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, I should be grading. So I should be bad. cleaning. I should be sewing. I should be kombucha-ing. I should be doing other like cross-stitching. I should be yeah. reading a book about like rights and issues and being better but instead mm-hmm. I'm just watching trash and yeah. so yeah. that is my guilty favesies Maya your turn okay I've had no time to prep that's okay I have a list of like a million things I mean nice. just any kind of consumerism right just like I love clothes and makeup and jewelry mm-hmm. although I won't spend more than five dollars on jewelry but still because oh, it's crap disciplined. Yeah. right I mean it's, it's just you're just buying crap you're putting it on your body mm-hmm. and it's crap and then you have to throw it away at some point which is crap <laughs> Right. Uh, but television, I mean, television is guilty phases. Yeah. Um, so much good television is all white people. Mm-hmm. So much good television is not all white people, but we're not talking about that right now. Uh, but even even Parks and Rec, right? Mm-hmm. Even Parks and Rec, <laughs> yeah. which is brilliant, mm-hmm. like with a capital B and all caps. Let's just let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, it's all white people and there's mm-hmm. you know they still fall into some of the like yeah. are brown people on the show or the butt of the joke you know mm-hmm. things like yeah. that or the or their like, <laughs> yeah. sort of characters yeah. the only the, the only nuance they put in there is like kind of kind of like Tom's joke about like well I'm not I'm not you know I'm from it was in North Carolina yeah. right but it's right. like but still it's it's a one off and, exactly. and it's one mention in one episode in yes. you know a microsecond right it's not yes. enough to make him a nuanced kind of and then there's also the weirdness with Aziz Ansari uh, yeah, yeah. Sad day. that's another episode yeah yeah another episode about yeah, that. and we recognize we haven't like <laughs> dug into that because you know we've talked a lot about how yeah. great he was pre hashtag Me Too, yeah. um, and so we want to acknowledge that is also yeah. really mm-hmm. sad and awful. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that my favorite, um, one of my favorite things on Twitter, which is Parks and Rec, I think it's Parks and Rec memes. I think that's just it, Probably. right? That they stopped using more a lot of the Tom ones because mm-hmm. they were like he's yeah. because of this situation. Good. So, mm-hmm. so last segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. Right, ladies. All right. So do you have any homework, Maya, for us? There's a few things um, we'll put in the show notes. I'm going to be challenged. I'm going to go look up some of the, the articles you were talking about and some of the sources. So that will be my embracing of the homework that mm-hmm. I've picked up on in the show. Um, either of you, homework? Donate to Age Up. Awesome. That's some homework for you. Nice. That's a good one. 
Um, I found an article called We Must Change the Narrative Around Women's Sports by Sally Bergeson. It's from Outdoor Magazine, which is actually pretty um, surprisingly good about adapting to including women's voices, which because um, it used to be a pretty a pretty much of a boys club, but it's gotten better over time. And outdoor or outside? Outdoor. Outside also has yeah. made a pretty big yeah, shift. Yeah, they made some, cool. they made mm-hmm. some, some good leaps. Um, they, she talks about like how they're not the same like um, benchmarks for women's. She's talking specifically about running like the four minute mile and the two minute, two hour mm-hmm. marathon. So like, why don't we establish these benchmarks for women so that we have this kind of um, for female athletes? So we have this conversation around what does it mean to be an elite female athlete and stop leaving women out of the conversation about elite athletics, especially particularly in running, but it's broader conversation about inclusion of women's sports and the conversation about athletics. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the Thank show. Thank you. Really She's amazing. It. Yeah, awesome. so fun. Bye. The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Listen to our other podcasts like Move to Tacoma, Citizen Tacoma, Nerd Farmer, Crossing Division, Taco Man, and Flounder's B Team. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. Smash me. Smodcast. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska! Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.